0: Good morning. I appreciate all of y'all coming out today, uh, especially in Brother Randy's absence. Uh, I could understand maybe why you'd want to go somewhere else, but I do appreciate you coming out and helping support me, and I hope you won't be too disappointed this morning. Lester is right. I have learned a little bit, but I haven't learned everything completely. Because I thought, I'll go first and I'll have to follow these young guys. Well, they went not got a ringer to come in tonight that's just going to show me up again. So I don't know how I'm going to do this unless I'm going to have to do both Sunday morning and Sunday night. So I don't have anybody follow me. But you're going to be thrilled tonight with uh, this young gentleman coming. He's, uh, I think, a high school senior and is a very powerful speaker. And he is going to do wonderful things for the Lord's work in the future. And I want to be sure that you do come back and let's help support him. This morning, I've asked Brother Glenn to lead song number 44, Follow Me. It's not a typical invitation song, but it's a song that I have always loved from the very beginning. It's a very dear song, and I want us to look at it this morning in a little bit different way. I want to take this song, and I want us to break it down and... Because it it gives a situation and then it gives Christ's response to what that situation is. And I want to see if we can take and actually apply that to our life. In 1953, Ira Stamphill was the author of this song. He wrote this song the morning after listening to a young missionary couple about their trials and struggles while in Africa. And this song has become very powerful and very moving and to me the words are are outstanding and I want us just to look at that just a minute and see if we can apply it to our life. As we take this, what I'd like to do is we want to look at it, what was the situation that was set up as the verse starts and then what's Christ's response? I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care The burdens on my weary back had led me to despair. I oft complained to Jesus how folks were treating me. As this verse starts, the first thing we see is... Maybe. I'll get this thing right in a minute. First thing we see is loneliness. i just got to be sure I hit the right button. The first thing we see in this is loneliness. You know, many times we all go through our daily lives and we feel alone. Our friends are around us. Our family's around us. Our spouse is with us. But many times we face problems in this world and we don't share them with them. We try to take everything by ourselves and we try to be alone. And many times we don't show these problem stuff to our our spouse, our family, our friends because we don't want them to worry. We We think we can handle it. But we're reminded in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, we need to always remember that no matter how lonely we feel in life, God is always with us. But the most important thing is we have to let God in our life. The second thing we see is worry and burdens. We just mentioned that we all have problems that we have to deal with in our daily lives. But how we handle these problems or accept the challenges that they bring to us help us determine how we grow and how we mature, not only in our daily lives, but more importantly, in our spiritual lives. Matthew tells us, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Also, a lot of times in life, we complain. We gripe and complain about things. Arguing and complaining, they aren't Christ-like activities. And God doesn't want us to serve him in a grudgingly manner, but he wants us to be willing and have a thankful heart as we serve him. We should always serve him gratefully and without the grumbling. Christians should always shine like a star among all the world who doesn't believe in Christ and doesn't follow Christ. In Philippians 2:14 and 15, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without the fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Among whom you shine as the lights of the world. And the last thing this verse lets us deal with is giving up. You know, sometimes when the when the world seems to be closing in all around us, we need to really remember why we're here on this earth. We were put here for one purpose, that is to worship God and to keep his commandments. Galatians 6 9 and let's not grow weary while doing good for in due season We shall reap if we do not lose heart The first verse has set up Conditions that we all face in our everyday lives, but how did Christ respond to this? And here was Christ's response and then I heard him say so tenderly My feet were also weary Upon the Calvary Road. The cross became so heavy, I fell beneath the load. Be faithful, weary pilgrim. The morning I can see. Just lift your cross and follow close to me. Christ was forsaken by his closest friends. He was beaten. He suffered extreme exhaustion. He broke beneath. The burden of the cross And then finally He was crucified But in all these things Christ remained faithful And he fulfilled The scriptures Matthew 26 39 And he went a little further And he fell on his face praying He said Father Oh my father If it is not possible Let this cup pass from me Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Even though Christ faced all these hardships on earth, he still fulfilled the scriptures for what he was sent to do. Christ could see the glory of heaven that was awaited ahead. He knew what it was like. And in all things, Christ wants us to remain faithful, keep our eyes focused on heaven, And then follow him. Next verse. I work so hard for Jesus. I often boast and say. I've sacrificed a lot of things. To walk the narrow way. I gave up fame and fortune. And I'm worth a lot to thee. You know many times I think this. This this one verse may really apply to a lot of us because not to say that we're arrogant, but sometimes we may get that boastful attitude, just look how much I work for for Christ and nobody else does. The first thing we look at is work. Are we not supposed to work for Christ? Are we not here to work for Jesus? We're here to do his will To spread his word. To teach others about him. Is that not what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to work. You know a lot of times when we look at what Christ did. People think what did Christ come to this earth for? To die on the cross so we could have remission of sins. Sure that was his ultimate goal. But Christ he came to this world to work also. In John 17 3 through 4. And this is eternal life. That we may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Christ came here to work. And in 2 Timothy 2, 15, Be diligent to yourselves. Approve to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth god tells us we are to be a worker therefore we should all work hard for god what about sacrificing i sacrificed a lot of things a lot of things most people look like is worldly treasures if we really work for christ and we work for jesus will we not have to sacrifice a lot of the worldly treasures And treasure is not necessarily monetary things, but a lot of just the worldly pleasures that come about that we can't do if we truly work for Jesus. But you know, God never said that we couldn't enjoy the fruits of our labor while here on earth. He wants us to work. And part of that work, he wants us to provide for our families and enjoy the things. But however, the main thing is we want to be sure to keep it in perspective. In Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not steal. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's okay to work on this world, but let's be sure we keep our treasures where our heart is. But more importantly, Let's keep our heart where our treasure should be, and that is those heavenly treasures. And one of the worst things this verse talks about is misplaced pride. I'm worth a lot to Jesus. You know, how boastful that may be that I worked so hard for him and I gave up so many things in this world. So, Jesus, I'm worth a lot to you. Are we really worth a lot to Jesus? Does he actually need us? Do we feel that way? If that's the case, is our heart truly where it should be? You know, do I boast to the world about how, what great things I've accomplished and what I did for Christ? First John two sixteen. For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of this world. So when we have pride, it's okay to have pride in our lives, but let's be sure it's not misplaced and where we use that pride. Let's be sure that we keep the pride that we have in the proper perspective. And when we do things for Christ, let's always remember what Matthew told us. In chapter six, verses one through four, take heed that you do not do charitable deeds before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly now this verse says a lot of things about how we should do in life let's see what Jesus response was to this and then I hear him gently say to me I left the throne of glory and I counted it all but loss my hands were nailed in anger on a cruel cross but now we'll make that journey with your hand safe in mine so lift your cross and follow close to me have you noticed the response in both these first two verses from Christ Christ is telling us lift our cross and follow him there's things we have to deal with and we have to suffer in this life but we lift our cross and we're to follow him Let's just think a moment about the sacrifice that Christ, he made for us. When he said he left the the throne of glory, just think he left the beauty of heaven. The beauty of heaven is something we cannot even begin to comprehend to understand. There is no way that our earthly minds can understand the beauty that heaven heaven is and will be to us someday. Christ left that throne of glory And he came here on earth to live among men. And ultimately to die the most agonizing death that's ever been known to man. Just picture for a moment the crowd as they stood and the anger in their hearts as they yelled, crucify him. In Luke 23, Pilate therefore Wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and I will let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men, and the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. The evil in man's hearts pushed Christ to the cross and there he was crucified. Jesus paid the price for all of us. But in doing so, he wants us to remain faithful, keep our eyes focused on heaven, and pick up our cross and follow after him. The final verse O oh Jesus, if I die upon a foreign field some day, would be no more than love demands, no less could I repay. No greater love hath mortal man than for a friend to die. Now this has finally got serious. They're talking about for us dying. Going on a foreign field and dying. The very first time I really heard this song and I I looked at it and just sort of read over it, didn't think that much about it, the first thing I thought about dying on a foreign field is in war. You know, that's what a lot of us think about when you die on a foreign field would be in war. We think of that soldier that is out fighting for our country. And I know we've all had friends that have been in in wars. We've had family members, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents that fought in war. But I guess unless you've been there, you don't understand what that's like. I've got a good friend that's in Afghanistan right now. And I talked to him about two weeks ago, and it's the first time he was shot at. And he said, it's finally getting real. I'm beginning to realize how serious this can be. Since the founding of this country, from the American Revolutionary War up until the conflicts of Iraq and Afghanistan, there's been more than 1.3 million US soldiers have died so that the freedoms we have today can stay intact. Now, is this not love? They're laying down their life for the country. But is that what this verse is talking about? To lay down your life for a friend? What about family? You know, when I, you know, when you look in here at everybody here, even though it's probably never been said, I think I could honestly say that every man in here, if it came down to it, would, would gladly lay their life down for their spouse, for their children or for their grandchildren. I don't think they would ever hesitate. And I think the ladies would probably do the same thing. We have a strong love for family. And that love is strong enough, we'd be willing to die for our family. But it says to die for a friend. <clears throat> That's really getting serious now that, you're, that I'm willing to lay down my life for a friend out there. Do we really have that kind of love, that great of love? What about just being a Christian? In today's world, a Christian is almost like being in a foreign field, in a foreign land. We are now foreign people in the world we live in, as being a Christian. Most of the world don't even want to even acknowledge that Christ is alive. And I'm sure, I don't know if anybody in here ever has, but most Christians have never traveled into a foreign land and there, as a missionary, tried to teach others about Christ. And we should all have a great admiration for them because they go into a lot of very, very difficult situations to teach people about Jesus. But are we willing to die for a friend? In John 15, 12 through 14, it was read, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay his life down for his friends. Now that says a lot, but the verse doesn't stop there. And this is what the real meat of this verse comes. And Christ said, you are my friends if you will do what I command you. Christ left the heavenly world and he came to this earth and became a mortal man. Christ has already said we're his friends. No greater love hath mortal man to lay his life down for his friends. Christ laid his life down for his friends. His friends are us if we do what he has commanded us. Without Christ laying down his life for us, we could not have had for forgiveness for sins. In Ephesians 1 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, the way this, this verse says, no greater love hath mortal man than for a friend to die, maybe we need to turn it around. No greater love hath mortal man. Than for to die for Jesus, what greater things could we do than to die for Jesus? In First Corinthians thirteen thirteen, now abide faith, hope, and love; these three, but the greatest of these is love. And in Revelations two ten, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Now, how did Jesus respond to this? Of this situation that was set up about laying down your life. These are the words he gently spoke to me. If just a cup of water I place within your hand then just a cup of water is all that I demand. But if by death to living they can thy glory see I'll take my cross and I'll follow Close to thee. If just a cup of water I place within your hand, that's in Matthew 25, we're taught about the parable of the talents. The talents that God has given each of us. And those talents, that's what God expects us to use. He expects us to use the talents He's given us. We all have different talents. And God expects us each to do different things in the by the way He's given to us. He wants us to use those talents, and someday we'll answer those. We have to do the things that God has given us. But this response gets really serious now. But if death to living, they can thy glory see. Is Christ saying that we've got to be, we've got to die, so that the rest of the world? Can see what we're doing? You know, hopefully, we will never have to experience the physical death for Christ. Look at Stephen in Acts 7. Stephen was stoned to death for Christ's benefit. He suffered a physical death. And hopefully, we will never have to do that. But let's look at Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in grace in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we die to sin? How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Our death to sin can show the glory of Christ Jesus through his, through his forgiveness. If we are literally willing to die to sin for Christ's sake, Be buried with him in the watery grave of baptism. And to rise a new creature, look what Christ said. He will take his cross and he will follow after us. The cross that Christ took is something we can can only imagine. But the pain and suffering that he went through just for us, And he said if you will just be willing to die to sin He will take his cross And he will follow after us The true thing is Christ died for us And the cross of Christ Brings forgiveness And salvation to us the, root, the true key to all of this is, are we ready to die to sin? Are we ready to die to Christ, to die for him? But most of all, are we ready to follow him? If you have that need, would you please come as we stand and sing?